Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, welcome back to uh, What's the Word Downtown. I've got Pastor Eric Barton here. My name's Matt McGill, and we're going to be talking about Ephesians and whatever stray... Uh, conversations else. that that uh, come to bear between two friends who right are loved by God. Indeed. So welcome, bro. Thank Good you. To see you. And Missed thank being you. here. Yeah, I know. I was I was away mm-hmm. uh, for a little while. And, grace for that too. And we had a snow apocalypse. There was that thing. Boil notice. Yeah. In the midst of a pandemic. Very very weird. Yeah. And now we're back. We have running water back. and electricity. And you preached a barn burner on Sunday. Dude, <laughs> this has been fun to walk through Ephesians, especially thinking about the podcast and thinking about talking to you mm-hmm. and thinking about what it means for our community. So I'm just, I'm, I'm interested here as we were talking about earlier, uh, what are some, what are some things as you've walked through? I mean, I know that anytime I'm called to preach something yeah. that I have to go back and revisit it and say, uh, you always say the point of the, say that, what is it you say? The the point point? of the passage is the point of the preaching. The point of the passage is the point of the preaching. And I tend to think that uh, if you are not being ministered to, then you don't, you can't be ministered through. So I'm wondering, I'm just interested here just thus far, we're probably what, we're not quite halfway through, but what are some things, what are some relevant themes? What are some things that have struck you and have ministered to you uh, thus far? Well, that's a great question, and it brings back to mind a long, long time ago, an older man, mentor, deacon in another church from a long time ago said he felt very strongly that the most important quality or characteristic Mm -hmm. of a preacher, of a minister of the gospel, and he used a strange word, was devotion. Mm. And he didn't mean loyalty. He meant like that you were the first gobsmacked, uh, recipient of the gospel. It had to get down and get into your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Get it had to be mm-hmm. a fire from within that mm-hmm. you were absolutely transfixed by in a way. And so really candidly going through Ephesians with this much fervor and focus has all over again been amazing and an incredible discipline to go through, not to use Ephesians as a hammer to go out and search for all different kinds of nails that will, you know, amplify or elaborate on my pet doctrines, but that that's not what Paul's doing at all. What mm-hmm. Paul's doing in Ephesians has been great for me mm-hmm. is to shine a very bright light on, hey, listen, this God that we serve, this God that that has saved us is so much gooder, bad grammar, He's so much gooder than any of us really functionally, practically walk around in. You mean believe. Absolutely. (laughs) That's exactly right. He's so much gooder than we can possibly imagine. Like we know that he's good and he saved us in Jesus and yeah, but wow, he's good. But to to like accept something like a premise like that, right? A lot of people would say, well, how good is he? Yeah. Show me how good he is. And sometimes, you know, show me a sign. Prove to me that he's good. Part of it, isn't it a surrender? It's a surrender to a gooder God Mm -hmm. than you can conceive of. And trust by faith that it really is even gooder than you can imagine. Right. To just wave that white flag and go, I can't imagine how he's that good, but 
I'm going to, which is what we're going to be talking about okay. this coming Sunday. He's so much gooder and greater and glorious that I can even fathom. But I mean, even mm-hmm. as we started Ephesians, where people like to get wrapped around the proverbial axle about predestination, predestination, election, all those things, which are important topics and they're they're mm-hmm. very valuable doctrines. But yeah. it's really not Paul's primary principal point. He's talking about the enormity of God that from eternity past, this was God's mind to move toward people who would not deserve it. Okay, let me ask you a question now. Come on. Because last week we heard about Paul's truly, truly revolutionary change to the world to say, hey, God is not just the God of the Jews. Yeah. And so I wonder if, and maybe you've seen this, is is some of his earlier discussion uh, about the enormity of God, not a, a, a pre, he's not, he's not, he's not readying people to say, and because he's this big, he can include within himself everyone. Everybody. Yeah. And I think it develops. Yeah. I mean, not that Paul was not writing inspired scripture because he was, mm-hmm. but what he writes to the Galatians is very, very focused and a response to and a reaction to some error that they're doing already. Yeah. Ephesians is just this great grand ecclesiology. The the whole point of the church. Great error that they're doing. I cut you off. Great Fine. error that they're doing already. Isn't that the way God works? Yeah. That he that he illuminates through our error. Mm-hmm. Not and, and sometimes because of our error. He's sovereign over I don't say because, but he's sovereign over our error. Well, we often talk about failing forward. Yeah. Those who live in grace do that. And he's not shocked by our sin. Mm-hmm. Not ever disappointed. There are no mm-hmm. palm thwacks in heaven, mm-hmm. praise mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. He knows it, and what we intend for evil, or what we apathetically don't intend for good. Sense of omission. Absolutely. He superintends for our utter good mm-hmm. and his glory, which is hard to believe, but he's really, really that good. So the whole opening salvo that Paul launches at this Trinitarian God who is actively engaged with the Father and the Son and the Spirit to bring in people into his community of joy, but that that includes Jew and Gentile, and that they're together. Uh-huh. The fact that God loves me. And then it, you know, he finishes chapter one by saying, and what do you get the church that has this everything? Yeah. You give them the realization, and you you turn up the, the simmering mm-hmm. so that they stew mm-hmm. ever more in that grease of God's love. And then you just continue to marinate. I watched, uh, I was looking up about different... Uh, Christ statues. I think I sent you that link. Yeah. Christ statues from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, there's one. In, there's one in Colombia. That's a big deal. I actually mm-hmm. was privileged to. I get to go to Brazil oh. to Rio de Janeiro and stand before Cristo Redentor, Christ the Redeemer. Corcovado, yes. And it's so. It's like there's a there's a predisposition in people to say that's a big deal. Let's make a big deal statue of it. <laughs> right. Right. These Ephesians had a big deal in Diana, or at least they thought they did. Right. And they made a big deal of it. And here is Paul speaking to Ephesians who make a big deal of something that they want that that the statue itself proclaims, hey, this is a bigger deal than we can understand. Yeah. So in a way, God, even working through the Ephesians error, right. has is drawing them in to the bigger deal than they can conceive. Absent the statue, of course, but I don't know. Maybe that was a stray. I told you to be prepared for that. <laughs> you know, but the statue thing is such a human response, a 
common sense outcome. Let's make a temple. What is it? Let's make a, uh, uh, what does Peter say on the on the Mount of Transfiguration? Let's, let's have a sandwich. Let's make some snacks. Yeah, let's make some snacks. But this is really talking good. about bringing it, make, it a, make yeah. this a, uh, a tabernacle. A tabernacle. That's yeah, right. a little Sukkot where we can yeah. stay and enjoy this. And Jesus mm -hmm. says, you're missing the point, which mm -hmm. he typically does. And mm -hmm. we also do as well. Jesus never prescribes a memorial edifice or a statue. In fact, he gets in front of Pilate and Pilate says, you right. are the king of the Jews. You who has nothing that we should look right. upon you and, and with right. you know, favor. So, and instead of a statue, this mild and meek Jesus, yeah. what he does prescribe is bread and wine. Hmm. A meal. A meal, a fellowship gathering where we're actually breaking bread and, and in that context and culture, dipping it in the same bowl, which I know in the time of COVID seems totally un, mm, unsafe. But we're going to get back there. Yeah. I believe. But that. dipping in the same bowl, having the fluid of fellowship. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus' first miracle in John 2 is the water of mm -hmm. ritual separation transformed into the fluid, and it was a good Napa cab. And post, yeah, and post-resurrection, oh, his first yeah. thing that he did uh, with regard fellowship to meal. fellowship meal and then yeah. reconstitution of Peter after his denial. That's exactly right. Uh, so it's done through through not an edifice or a statue. It's done through us taking in and enjoying the mutual blessing that has been done for us. We become, in a sense, the temple. Not yes. just in a sense. We are okay. absolutely the temple. Yeah. And Paul will say that over and over again. We are the dwelling of God in this world. Except instead of a statue, we are filled with the living life. Yeah, and abundant. it's not even it's not even the, the, the Corcovado in Brazil, which okay. is this pristine white stone that's been chiseled and manicured. No, it's people like you and me who've yeah. got issues and and problems that are the living stones, Peter says, of the dwelling of God in this world. The literal Shekinah glory. In other words, you and I are these bricks that are being put together where God dwells. But to even use the Old Testament language, the people that you know that are in Christ, Paul's going to allude to this, when Moses encounters the burning bush, it's this strange sight that burns and is consumed with the Shekinah glory of God, but yet does not get consumed. Mm. Doesn't go out. Doesn't burns go eternal. Out. Burns. And so in a large sense, in this age, you and I are, and the church is a collection of burning bushes mm. that are supposed to make people say, I will go and see this strange sight that burns, but is yet not consumed. When you say consumed. burning bushes, do you don't mean a hot mess? <laughs> Because sometimes, sometimes we're we're a paradox, aren't we? We are. Yeah. I was in. Uh, I was coming home. I, I, we led led worship last week, and then I was. Uh, some of the kids from uh, from the church came home. A couple of them with my girls, mm -hmm. and I was taking them back, and then uh, to their parents' house. And remembered that I had left the burner on the water that I was boiling, <laughs> and I exclaimed a short curse word. I see. My wife was in the car, and she said, "Why, very nice, Pastor." You know, I say, why do you call me a pastor only when I curse? Only, right. <laughs> Hypothetically, that you ever have. Other uh, than not that, that I ever. Yeah. The point is, is the counterintuitive move of God to implant himself within hot messes like you and me. So when we say jars of clay, yeah. I mean, that's a sweet name of a mid-90s band. Mm -hmm. But Paul's being very particular. It's chamber pots. It's bedpans. Mm -hmm. That's who we are. Mm -hmm. We're bedpans that are the containers, as it were, of the infinite, utter glory of God himself. 
what kind of a God would do that? Mm-hmm. One that's way gooder than we can mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wanting to bring that term back, gooder. gooder. It's not good grammar. Yeah. I just think it's the best word for him. He's yeah. so gooder and gooder and gooder. Is there a goodest? Yes. Well, anyway, now, well, yeah. we're really, now we're really all over the <laughs> There place. should be. Okay, so last week, big deal was Paul's lassoing in essentially the whole world into mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, even the unbelievers are what I've heard of one pastor call pre-believer. Yeah, pre-Christians. <laughs> Pre-Christians. Uh, but but where are we going in, in Ephesians? What's what's Does Paul have, is there a through line or does he have points that he wants to make and he's making them with each chapter or is there a sort of is he progressing do you see do you sense that in your study yeah i think ephesians is the most and of course it is because it's inspired by the spirit but it is the most brilliant literary hmm. writing it's just so marvelously structured where we've got three chapters of our wealth hmm. three chapters of our walk hmm. where it's so often so easy to try to focus, but yes, yes, but our walk, what are we supposed to do? Get right here and here before we get right here. Right, yeah. which is a, a good parenting to a point, hmm. to a point, but Paul's primary thrust is, no, 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 no. If you understand the wealth that we have that has been given us, all these words and blessings like adoption, all these things, when we understand our wealth, here's what happens. The walk happens because you cannot walk if you have a scarcity riddled mindset precisely if you yeah. don't if you're if you're still trying to get somewhere you're not presently yeah well then you don't have time for anybody else or people become obstacles yep. or opportunities and neither one objects objects of advancement or yep. self-advancement which know? means you can't biblically love somebody else hmm. biblical love is seeking the highest good of another hmm. But if you're still not so sure that you have enough, if you're still not so certain that you don't have to grasp, there's no way functionally I'm going to love you. I might say nice things to you. I might even take you a Sam's lasagna if you're sick, Mm -hmm. but I don't actually care about your good above my own. And we each are pendulums between that, aren't we? And that's where grace becomes such a gift to sinners. So if you have an understanding, and I mean a deep soul marrow understanding of that wealth, then what Paul's going to push us through to at the end of chapter 3 this coming mm-hmm. Sunday, Lord willing, is the grand culmination of how huge that is. And then it's a therefore. Mm-hmm. But it's not a crack the whip, now here's a whole laundry list of things that you have to go and try to do. It's no, 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 no. This is your identity. This is who you are, and therefore this is the stuff that comes out of that. So stop trying so hard. In fact, what a lot of Ephesians is, is try hard not to try hard. It's merely marinate. To care and not to care. Yeah. To care and not to care and to accept the inconceivability of the goodness of God upon you and within yes. you and around you and under you and behind you and in front of you. I mean, it, you're, you're encased in the goodness of God wherever you go. So let me ask you this. Yeah. You're married. Uh-huh. You've got daughters. I do. What if this was really true in your marriage? How would that actually impact how you viewed this person with whom you're in covenant? How does that functionally, practically change, not just how you treat her, but how you even think about her? Well, you, I'll tell you one thing that comes to mind. You say one, one thing that um, one thing that I really uh, have 
I don't want to say struggled with, but it's part of my, it's, I think it's part of the, a larger dimension of my personality and bringing it under the restraining power of the spirit because my personality is and can trend towards vampiric. I love people, <laughs> but I also love how people make me feel. Of course. I love to be, remember how uh, C.S. Lewis wrote about Tolkien not be, not appearing the same kind of friend after the loss of their third mm-hmm. friend. I forget his Charles name. Williams. Charles Williams. He said, Charles Williams brought something out in Tolkien that I can't bring out. And so, right. and so I love to be around uh, my wife with other people, mm. but she so intensely loves people, it can be t- at times depleting. So learning how to say, I have enough, mm. there's no... There's no in, there's no social engagement or even a ministerial engagement that can make me feel fuller. Uh, there's it's got to start at home, right? Mm. A man only walks out of the house as strong as his wife believes him to be. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So it's sort of like tending to the home fire. You talked about the burning bush. Mm-hmm. You talk about um, you know there's times in your marriage I'm sure where you need to burn a little brighter because somehow some. Uh, some sense of some oppression, uh, some uh, uh, difficult uh, circumstance sure. has diminished the flame in your wife maybe a little bit, you know? Hypothetically. Hypothetically, of course. But but there's a sense of like we keep the flame together by giving a little bit to her and, take, you know, and allowing yourself to become diminished in a sense, not diminished, but decrease that he may increase within you for her provision and nourishment. So right. that's kind of an abstract answer, but I would say that... Um, that, that my marriage uh, is as good as I believe God to be. Hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. My marriage is as good at that moment as I believe God to be. So I think that's why Christians, the, 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 the gospel is primarily for Christians. Yeah. Because we got to preach to ourselves that we are encased in the good. Yeah. And, and because we see, Megan and I, and you do too in counseling, we see so many relationships where... Uh, a husband needs so much from a wife and she wants to give so much that she becomes a self, her, a, a withered leaf. Mm. Uh, not a, It's codependency. It's a sense of like, I'm going to extract from you the good things that, that I need uh, that, that really only God can give. And so there is, I mean, there's a sense, of, it's, it's, it's a paradox in marriage because you have two individuals loved by God completely, 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 uh, who get around to who, who are married and then start to arouse one another's flesh, uh, in so much that that uh, that each individual has to remember the goodness of God, that then they can be reconciled by His. I mean, it's sort of like you receive, and then He can reckon. You know, it, it, two individuals receiving from the same God can then be reconciled. And you talked about that on Sunday. You you were talking about. God who reconciles us first to himself, mm-hmm. secondly to one another. Yeah. And then this is the interesting piece and why the necessity and the beauty of the church is something that the angels look to look to look into is and Josh White made this known to me. He said he said when he was here, that third piece of being reconciled to yourself, who is Eric mm-hmm. in light of these things, yeah. comes after as you are reconciled to one another, so that in fellowship you begin to understand who you are Absolutely. as each burning bush reflects or each mirror, you know. That's so, it though. That's the, we need all the different mirrors. Yeah. And that's what the fellowship often provides. And sometimes there's some angles yeah. that reflect my image that 
I kind of wish I didn't have to see. Right. But I do. You have to. You have to. Because the, because as you sin and as you rec- you come to understand your sin, your grace is multiplied to you. That's exactly right. Grace exactly is multiplied. Right. Okay, and so you see God is bigger and gooder. Yeah. Yep. So this week, what's what do we got to look forward to? Don't give us too much. Yeah. Um, if anyone's still watching at this point. That's a great, great <laughs> The thing to look forward to as we close out Ephesians 3 is just the great grand sort of culmination and climax of what Paul's talking about. Our wealth, before we get to the walk, our wealth that you can almost see or sense sort of a proactive, preemptive strike where Paul knows that the gravity of depravity in the Ephesian people, and therefore ultimately us, is that we have a tendency to settle. We go, I'll, I'll, I just, I'll settle for this. Let I me take the good. I don't need any more. I have what I, I have what you've given. I'll just. Right. My precious. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. What was his name? Gollum. Gollum. Yeah. Phenomenal posture that guy had. Yes. Yeah. Don't settle. Understand, because this is actually the thing that's going to propel your peripatetic life, your walking around existence, Mm. is don't ever settle. And that doesn't mean you grasp more. It actually is this upside down, inside out thing where you go, no, 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 I'm not settling. I have every good, great thing. I am freed, unleashed to give everything. And so as a dad of two young, beautiful ladies, you know, I know as, as a father of sons, I have a tendency in my flesh to secretly Think, but what about what I need? What about what I want? Why would I sacrifice this for my daughter, for my son? Because what about what I want? But this is so practical in parenting even to go, I don't ever have to withhold because I might not get mine. I have mine. Mm. I have all that I need, all that I could ever be and more already. And not just today, but tomorrow. And that's where we get into those, like you said about, I think I prayed even uh, that we expect Good things from you, yeah, God today, yeah. and I think we can expect it. Does it's not it's not a Pollyanna. We can expect the Corvette and uh, no, no, McMahon no, 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 to that. show up with the right. publisher's clearinghouse. Yes, you know? but but we can expect the same provision. That's why the that's why the the steadfast love of the Lord enduring forever. The truth of that is that as we look back on His goodness to us, yeah. we learn about who He is, and that gives us. Bold confidence, right? We talk, you talked about that last week, mm-hmm. confidence. We have bold confidence in the goodness of God both presently and in the future because of how good he's been in the past. We're, we're surrounded, bro. That's it. Well, what our spouses need, what our children need, yeah. what our friends and community members and neighbors and coworkers need most is Christ in us, the hope of glory, which sounds churchy and doctrinal, but no, no, no. I mean, like literally... People who have confidence, who have boldness, who have come alive. That's what we tried to end mm-hmm. with last week is mm-hmm. people who have come alive. That's what our kids need more than anything. They don't need us to bludgeon them with the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did when they were six months to three years old, but it's not that they need more morality and behavior modificationism. They need to see in us people who are authentically alive, burning bushes so that our kids go, that, that's what I want. That's mm. what, that's a life that works, that might have hardship, that might have fatigue, but is so full. Mm. Those are the image bearers mm. that are teaching and training, ideally, the younger generations, whether they're in our biological families or not, 
that's what it looks like to be a burning bush. And that's what the church is also providing. Mm. So mm. what Paul's going to say is this is the place where people who come alive. And so we're going to see it that ever increasingly as we age yeah. and things turn wrinkly and gray and, you know, get... But May it never be so, Eric. <laughs> some of us more than others. Yeah. But the more that that happens, the more internally and spiritually the we're being glory made increases. Alive. Yes. We're being made yes, alive. yes, yes. And so we have to manifest that and, and display that. And the church is the place where that happens. Well, it sounds like if you're a parent or a child of a parent, you yeah. need to be at church on Sunday because this is yes. going to be good. Or if you've ever been married or want to be or have ever been in a relationship, that's a good place for you to be. Uh, that's pretty much everyone. Yeah. We'll see you at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. Thanks for being here on What's the Word downtown. God have bless. a good one.